Hi, Logos Legacy here. So I had an idea that I want to share and let's get to it. This is about, or inspired by rather, um, David Hawkins' theory or about power versus force. Uh, I'm not, I don't actually know it that well. I know the basics, honestly, but it inspired something. And it has to do with the theory of power. This is actually something I studied at um, university. I, I did a, I, I did a degree in uh, politics and I did a master's in, in international political economy, which at the time I was very interested in. And the theory of power is something I did my dissertation about. Anyway, like, I'm not saying I have credentials. I'm saying it's like, it's interesting to me anyway. And I've been considering how do I integrate or apply spiritual principles to an understanding of fields like that, uh, like international relations, international political economy, and the theory of power. And I've been wondering about this recently. So I had, to, but I had this kind of inspiration or eureka, or whatever, um, when thinking about Hawkins' um, power versus force. And um, what it has to do is that there's basically two paradigms or two systems, ways of ways of interacting between people or in your relationship with others and also yourself. Um, and what we mostly associate as power and how it works and what most of the theory, if not all of the theory, or most of it, has uh, is about and largely what realist international uh, relations theory is about as well it, it largely not not just that i'm not, not gonna just say it's just that school of um international relations but generally what it's about is what david hawkins calls force for the sake of this theory i'm going to call it forceful power or competitive power, or just force. I, I, I'm not sure about which term to use. You could just go with Hawkins' term, but Hawkins didn't wasn't applying it to the context. So maybe just to be understand understand, it's competitive or forceful power. It's a type of power, basically. The other type of power, which you could just call power, which is power according to David Hawkins, you could call cooperative power, unitive power, or harmonic power. I haven't decided on the name of that either. Uh, and that, that operates on the basis of unconditional love, compassion, acceptance, inner strength, vitality, in unitive harmonic cooperation between parties, right? That's more or less the gist of it, or at least the foundation of it. And that's actually the, the, the default of the universe, in my opinion. Um, before duality, it's like that, I think. But in any case, um, a duality-based approach, I wouldn't say, is it duality-based? I suppose it is, but that wasn't the idea. The, the other one, okay, so competitive or forceful power, how does it work? 
is basically it's based on coercion and the monopoly of force. Um, it can be between individuals. One in, it, the minimum it was acquired is one individual and another, uh, and their interaction being coercive or forceful, and forceful, or and, and you know evoking fear and stuff like that. Force in this context is force in the sense of how David Hawkins defines it. Now, how does David Hawkins define it? He defines it as that which acts against or in opposition to something. And this isn't necessarily like someone putting a gun on someone's head, right? That sort of thing. It could also be economic incentive or even psychological, like having a go at someone to get them to do your way, go your way or something. So that, that that's what we, I mean, it often, I mean, fundamentally it does generally rely on the use of explicit force or the threat of force. But there's fundamentally a factor of fear involved because there's people comply out of fear of what happens if they don't. Especially the fear of death, but also the fear of harm, the fear of other things. And our fear-based conditioning, which I'm going to explore more later. Um, and then there's things like shame and guilt and how that plays into it. But yeah, I'll get into that. So the fundamentally, there's a monopoly of force, basically. Or it's uses force, but there's a monopoly of force. Interestingly, even though you could use a term in terms of literally how people use the word force, like just coercion, just like literal violence. What if we use it as a monopoly of what Hawkins calls force, a monopoly of the acting against or in opposition to something or others? Um, a monopoly of that is essentially it's in a certain area of polity, there's um or system of interacting uh, um, actors, parties, individuals. It's not just individuals, it's also groups of individuals and so forth in a given what was i saying so there's typically so there's individuals interacting and it's done in opposition to others and tends to be at the expense of the party that complies out of typically out of fear um and this happens on an individual level but you get group dynamics let's say in a family level or between people like friends or, well, I'm not talking about friends, if this is what we're talking about, but, um, and it applies on a higher and higher level, as above, so below, it applies to every level, potentially. And it's even a, a combative resistance-based interaction with creation uh, in itself. It's, it's based on ego and opposition to creation. It's fundamentally uh Yeah, it's, it's almost like an opposition to God in a sense, or opposition to creation, opposition to harmony. It's trying to make things happen, right? And rather than force it into compliance, into 
rather than based on fear, right? Uh, yeah, that, that's generally how it works. And did, on this, in an emergent sense, you get more and more dynamics like this. And that's how you often get this in corporations. You often get this in the state. The state is a very good example. But kingdoms were like this. Empires were like this. Tribes are often like this. And they're often competing with each other as well as doing this internally. And this all starts from individuals interacting like that. And it builds up, right? And then there's an energetic aspect where there's in the interactions and almost like endemically, like a field of fear and this sort of dynamics. And it's, it's exploitative and kind of parasitic as well, with those who win the exchanges, so to speak, those who take, those who comply, give energy or prana, those who take it, well, take it, right? And there's authority structure and hierarchy structure that tends to be in place with this. And we've had this on earth for a long time. This has been the main paradigm. You could say it's a service of self paradigm, but given that most people on earth have been unpolarized according to the law of one, which means they haven't consciously making a choice. I'm not sure if you can actually describe it that way, at least on earth for the last 10,000 years, well, at least for, for most people, it hasn't been consciously done. So, um, so that's how it works generally. Um, there's a, I guess what you could call the competition principle. I just made it up, honestly, it, but don't be too attached to it as a label. Uh, it's basically the dictum or whatever. The, the principle is achieve desired end by forcing or making or manipulate. Well, okay, wait. Okay, okay. I'll give you the simple version, then I'll elaborate. Okay. Achieve desired end by forcing them to comply, right? I've also got in brackets here. It's like, it can be making them, it could be manipulating them, it could be coercing them, it could be economically incentivizing them in a, co in a competitive, competitive manner. And other things like psychological force, like in the sense of Hawkins talks about. Um, and um, so there's different ways it can be applied, but fundamentally it's like, you want certain things, right? In fact, typically you're attached to those. If in this approach, one is attached to those outcomes. They feel like they're not good enough and that those outcomes complete them. And that their inner conflict will be resolved and they'll be at peace if they get those things. It doesn't actually happen, but that's what they think, right? And so they exert their force on others. And if they succeed, they take energy from the other person and make them, force them to go along with what they want. The other person goes along with it and doesn't want to, but does it anyway. Now, okay, what happens if they die or just like assaulted into the point of, okay, this is low vibe, isn't it? But nonetheless, I'm just going to talk about it into the point of just being incapacitated, right? And what happens is, or they're tricked into giving away, and then they realize what happened. Well, they still actually get centered. That's the thing. And it might not seem like it is a thing what the, because the higher self consents to dying. And I know that seems weird, but it's actually what happens is 
it realizes the situation is no longer conducive to growing with catalyst anymore. Like nothing more can be gained at a certain point. Suicide only happens with the consent of even the higher self, which means that they decide that actually there's no more, nothing more can be gained from that particular incarnation. So even in those cases, actually there's consent. It's and the way in which this whole forceful fear-based paradigm works is it actually depends on people consenting to being enslaved, essentially, or in bondage. Uh, no pun intended there. I mean, like, in the sense of, like, well, I, I use the, um, the archetype I, I would use is kind of like the devil. In a sense, if you look at the devil tarot card, people are, like, literally chained to the devil and chained to each other. That, that's kind of what's going on there. But people are voluntarily putting them in the situation, but they don't realize it's voluntary because they're egoically conditioned. Um, and so you tend to get a network of interacting people who are using force, but you typically get it and it ends up being hierarchical where those have more authority and status uh, exploiting others as well. And people voluntarily go along with it and believe it's righteous and good because that's what they're conditioned to believe in from birth. In fact, often it uses trauma, this as well, from young ages, which means, it, it, is it possible that most people under such a system, so most people under the last 10,000 years have actually had CPTSD, childhood PTSD to some extent, and that those are diagnosable are just the more extreme cases. Maybe that's an opinion. That's an opinion, though. But in any case, a lot of egoic conditioning, and also there's ancestral energy, right? So someone lives a life they don't, um, they don't. Um, I suppose they haven't like cleared and uh, transmuted and let go of the negative energy in their life. They die, their kid suddenly picks up, or their children might, or other people they interacted with might pick up the load of that energy. And it still stays there, but it doesn't just disappear. So it just has to go to someone else who's alive currently. Typically, and it's so ancestrally passed down, right? And so, yeah, under this paradigm, that way I'm going to get to the, the cooperative power one in a bit. But under this paradigm, it tends to get passed on. Um, and becomes more and more normal uh, in inverted commas because that's just the way it's done, right? Um, I've got two. There's also a key feature here where the foundation of this is actually psychological. So there may be the use of force, like someone putting a gun to someone's head, or manipulation, or all sorts of things, economic extraction and just an, a use of resources in a way where it views them as just tools for their self-interest without any recognition of what's good for the environment or mother earth or each other or whatever in the long run right greed is a, an energy that's involved here but also resentment and all, all sorts of low death energies right fear is the primary one involved I would say it's like a dark flower where petals come out of which are different negative emotions. But anyway, 
basically, I'd call it psychological force or uh, to be potentially maybe psychosomatic force. There you go. <laughs> really are technical, but I don't know. I came up with it. So um, this involves not only coercion, manipulation, economic competitive incentives, but the egoic psychological conditioning, like I was talking about. Um, now, of note here is, um, or relevant here, is uh, Aaron Abke talks about, in his conversations with, oh, who's that YouTuber? <laughs> oh man, I've forgotten the name of him right now. Uh, he's been doing this series of uh, videos about how this kind of service itself operates and stuff. I've gone blank about the name. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe I'll give put a link at the bottom or in the description or something, but I can't remember. Check now, actually, because I might have put it there by the time I've done this video. But yeah, uh, he's been doing these videos where he's discussing, for example, it starts 9-11, how the service itself operate and all of that and how they manipulate people. And yeah, it um, is all psychological at the fundamental basis and involves fear and other dense emotions and how basically getting people to comply based on that. I would also say it involves energy and prana and parasitic interactions, which people consent to. And that's the only reason why it can carry on. It's not like, oh, the, those bad guys who manipulate things, oh, this is, and they cause all the problems. Like we, everyone have participated in this. Um, so it, if we were to just like project blame onto elites, that is only a superficial understanding of things. It's not wrong. It's just only part of the picture. Right. So, um, yeah. And, okay, so, as I said, it's hierarchical and based on authority. And authority is based on illusion and fear as well. But there's a difference between authority. No, okay, authority isn't based on illusion. And hierarchy isn't based on illusion when it's the truth of God the Father, so to speak, or all that is and us as a part of that sort of thing. But when it has to do with the egoic holographic illusion, so to speak, maya, as some people call it, authority in that, that's an illusion. That, that's not real. Uh, so one person being above someone else in status, like, no, 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 that, that, nope, just not. <laughs> um, although um, it's valid, okay, it's valid subjectively. Okay, uh, we, we shouldn't just reject something as like, outright wrong because that that might be false light to do that or egoic or something okay the point is that this operates in every single level as above so below and these a, pol a given polity or system whether it's a family whether it's a corporation whether it's a state whether it's an empire kingdom tribe such a polity so to speak uh, will or city-state, you know, like, uh, that's another example. They will act like they're people because they're made up of people uh, who are egoic. And those are the higher levels of positions in it 
are more likely to be psychopathic or narcissistic uh, as well. So, and that is the basis of what realist international relations theory is looking at, because what they're doing is um, a good realist scholar I would recommend and just to understand how international relations that results and dynamic international relations the way geopolitics plays out as a result of ego being collectively so prevalent when ego is the prevailing system it's kind of in its it's kind of you know imagine like a flame that gets brightest just before it flutters out that's where we're at now so it's dying, but it's kind of brightest, brighter than it's ever been at the same time. Anyway, but uh, Mearsheimer is an interesting theorist to look into, uh, in my opinion, to explain what's going on. Um, I mean, there are some others I, I might recommend, like Robert Gilpin is another scholar who kind of explains these things a bit, although he's more like a liberal, I know, as an idealist realist, which, anyway, sorry, these are a lot of technical terms. Um, uh, Organsky is another theorist I quite like. I admit that this is interesting because I'm not so into this stuff as I used to be because I studied it and it's like a decade ago when I was doing this. But in any case, <clears throat> not to get too much of a tangent here, because the point is realist geopolitics or the geopolitics has often played out and the realist theory applies or paradigm to explain it is accurate up to a point insofar as this is how ego-based geopolitics often operates and serves to self geopolitics is largely fourth density and above may or fourth and fourth density may well be similar to that but with more of an outright energetic aspect to it although don't be under the illusion that um third density geopolitics that's egoic is not energetic because it absolutely is uh, it's a lot of us people are, tend to be blind to that aspect of things but there's energetic interactions that are parasitic and where prana is extracted and all that and it's based on fear and there's a lot of energy dynamics that you might not be aware of that most people involved aren't aware of right and the way in which states are like focused on gaining more power, the way there's this principle in realist theory that says that, um, what's the principle called? Oh, I was thinking about it earlier. I've forgotten what it's called. The principle is basically that states can't trust each other and they can't trust each other's intentions. And so they must assume the worst intentions and, uh, seek to gain on a, as much power as they can at the expense of other nations because of that. Um, something like the uncertainty principle, or something that's not uncertainty principle, it's a, I don't know. I, sorry, I can't remember the actual term uh, of the top of my head, so I just accept that. Um, in any case, they will seek to go to war or even make strategic alliances temporarily. Um, now, there's different versions of realism, like defensive realism will say that 
act nations will do it more for the to defend themselves from aggressors whereas offensive realism will be like they'll will take the initiative to take it to fight to other enemies and that they'll make alliances against other nations to sort of outcompete them and then there's other versions of it saying like there'll be a coalition of nations there'll be the hegemon that's the one in charge with its allies who are subsidiary to it then there'll be like this the other nation that's trying to compete this is gilpin's theory i think that they will try to get a coalition and there'll be a coalition war between them and if the coalition war wins often there'll be a new hegemon that will be in charge the, the dominant boss nation around that will shape the uh the paradigms and the how things are done um and the norms and stuff internationally until a new one is in charge um that's the idea and it's largely actually correct in many ways insofar as how things work under this paradigm under this sort of energetic conditions of fear and ego it's not because i was wondering like how do i make sense of this and that i think it makes sense and yet i'm aware of spiritual like a more love-based approach Speaking of which, let's get into that. Okay, so as I said, you could call it the alternative would be simply what Hawkins called calls power, or you could call it cooperative power, or unitive power, or harmonic power. Um, it's based on unconditional love and compassion, acceptance, inner strength, inner vitality, inner abundance, in a unitive harmonic cooperation between parties. Uh, there's an emphasis on present moment action, and it's not really action, but not really, a, there's not a doer, but you know what I mean? It With others, between others, you know, to, for common goals, which are the parties are not attracted to. So there's a desire and things are manifested. So that's another thing, the law of attraction does play into this, um, but they're not attached to what they desire. Oh, we've got 17 there, 17, 17 there. That's interesting. So, and uh, parties basically have an open heart, an unconditional love, right? Which means that they are freely giving to each other in their interactions, economically or in any respect. And and their, how they work together for common goals. They freely give, right, without expecting anything in return. And meanwhile, that you know, prana flows into them abundantly from the universe, from creator, from Gaia, right? Because under such a system, like, and that kind of interaction, they're, they're like, they don't get drained by freely giving because it's un they're doing unconditional love and unconditional love towards themselves as well. So unlike when some people like give, give and give and they drain themselves because they're not really loving themselves, they're doing it in an almost sort of, it's like victim-based way or almost like, a, what's the thing? A crucif being crucified kind of energy sort of thing. Or like they do it at their own expense sort of thing, not really taking care of themselves. It's not like that because it's more like, you know, how I cut Tyler, for example, might just be give, give, and give, and he just never runs out. He's got, always got more than, and he's just naturally, it just overflows. A cup 
overflowing with water, like the the Ace of Cups or something, um, or the Queen of Cups or something. If you know tarot, yeah, just the overflowing with love energy, prana, essentially, right? So people are just freely giving to each other. It's largely a gift economy in terms of how it works, which will probably please uh, anarcho-communists. They'll be happy about that. <laughs> but in any case, um, oh, I will point out as a tangent, um, I don't think that the, the utopian vision that anarcho-communists have or communists have in general um, as well. I don't think that it's possible under egoic conditions um, because of, in fact, I don't think any system, any political system that ideally works in a way where everyone works out for the best and everything's great, like whether it's a free market, whether it's whatever, Keynesianism, whatever it is, it won't work under ego it will just work up to a point and they'll get corrupted. Uh, it, it, that's always how it works. And that ends up in a competitive sort of different versions of competitive exploitation that will have a sort of veneer of legitimacy according to what the norms are. Uh, that, that's typically how it works. But, not, uh, but under a cooperative uh, power system, what you get is everyone's working together, they're freely giving, and other people are freely giving to them, and they're working together to common goals with other groups who are also doing that. And their groups, they'll, they'll group together for projects, I imagine, but they'll be part of larger groups and larger groups that just work together for different things. So it's hard to really pin it down in terms of how any existing economic systems or social, political, economic systems, because it will be like, Sociocracy is a good um, indication of how it kind of works, or maybe the fact that sociocracy is popular now, it, to the extent that it is, might be a reflection of the times that we're in, of the times of weakening. So, anyway, so effortlessly, the principle, the corporation principle, for want of a better term, I don't know, effortlessly, effortlessly interact in unison and harmony with others and ourselves and the creator. So, and this is within and within and without, you know, internally and externally, because they're one anyway. And not just will this happen between individuals, but we networks of people doing that, and they will not in not really hierarchy, but it will be more like different levels of um, focus. People will say lead in different ways on different scales or scopes of and people might move to different positions and stuff i'm speculating to some extent but basically it's emergent loving free cooperation that is it was not it's not just a gift economy it's a gift political economy right a gift polity maybe um it's a eco political, economic, political, social, energetic system or collective or uh, whatever, you know, <laughs> that is um, based on 
unconditional love and free giving, um, essentially. And it's not like some utopia that is given to us out of some salvation where we just, it's more like we allow ourselves when we build it ourselves, but we also allow it to happen by not getting in the way. And each person who gets out of their own way and opens the heart allows other people to get out their own way until basically the threshold is reached and we enter this kind of system. Um, Also there's use of things like telepathy to a certain extent, although it's more based on, I know for a fact it would involve an open heart chakra, right? An open heart and what that entails. It doesn't necessitate uh, an open throat chakra, an open third eye, or an open crown. But that might well happen too. So there may well be regular telepathy between people, which transforms the socio-political economic system and how it works, right? It enhances it as well. Like, you know, like how people with the internet send like, well, you get memes and gifts, right? But you get like, um, imagine diagrams, um, data, well, not to mention access to the Akashic records and all the memories of all the past lives of everyone on earth that everyone will be able to access at all times. So, yeah, there's that. There's basically a lot of the stuff that we do with technology and the internet would be done with the mind. And that that's an amazing enhancement there. That's pretty neat, right? Um Yes. So there's more I could say about it, I can say, but I think this more or less sums it up. Um, there is a question of how a system like this, a cooperative power-based system, say Earth, I suppose Earth was unified under this system, right? And then there's suppose there's another nation trying to interact with them or planet trying to collect them, interacting with them. That's... Um, forceful that, that goes what operates in force what's the interaction right i would say i would suggest that those operating operating under power don't just not defend themselves like there is such a thing as the defense sector in such a system i, I would say not based on fear but under out of necessity and so it's even compassion like that there is certainly a capability for force and involved right a lot of conflict may well be more energetic in nature if your conflict is really the term it's just energy dancing ultimately right but um yeah um i I may well expand on this in the future consider this a sort of part one maybe or something uh, I don't know exactly where I'll take this, but it was interesting coming up with this idea of sketching out some notes, and I've enjoyed talking about it. So um, hopefully you've enjoyed it too. If not, that's fine. Um, yeah. Well, have a great new year, or if you're listening to this later, um, I hope you're having a great year. Although, of course, everything is always well in truth. So, um, without further ado, have have a great time and have a great present moment. And uh, bye for now.